0: Let us turn to Matthew, the eighth chapter. I want to study with you tonight the cost of medical missionary work. The cost of medical missionary work. I'm not referring to the dollar cost of health care. Literally billions of dollars are being poured out in the United States today in the effort to improve the health of our nation. But as the New New England Journal of Medicine pointed out in an editorial, during a certain period, the money outlay trebled three times the cost, but uh, without any appreciable or measurable increase in health. That's something to think about, isn't it? But it isn't that price that I want to study with you. The real healer, as you and I know, is Jesus Christ. Let me say, before I read our text, I believe there are two misconceptions that we need to have cleared away in our minds, just as cobwebs can be brushed aside. One is the idea that there is miraculous healing, and there is natural healing, And the two are quite distinct and separate. The truth of the matter is that all true healing, whether it's sudden or gradual, and whether it comes when the minister kneels down and prays, or whether it comes through the services of the physician and the nurse, all true healing comes from God. God is the Creator. God is the restorer. I suppose most of us here tonight have that pretty clear in our minds. But quite a number here this evening, perhaps all of us, I trust, are going to get a clearer view of another facet of this whole question. I'll put it this way. What does it cost God? to heal. What does it cost God to heal? Well, somebody may say it doesn't cost him anything. It's all free. He's the creator. He has an infinite fund of vital force. And this is true. Now, don't Understand that in creation it cost him anything in the sense that I'm studying with you tonight. But creation and redemption, friends, are two different expressions of the love of God. Creation was the thought of God expressed in making beings like himself, holy and happy, intelligent beings, capable of understanding love and of choosing love, revealing love. But redemption, all that is the expression of the love of God in reaching down to lost men, sinful men, degenerate men, and raising them up to be once more capable of, of appreciating and experiencing and reflecting the love of God. So we're going to read our text, Matthew, the 8th chapter, verses 16 and 17. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now in the sixteenth verse we notice the clear statement concerning the healing power of Jesus and how that was manifested in curing all the diseases. But the 17th verse tells us the cost. It says that what he did in the healing of all those sick people was a fulfillment of what Isaiah the prophet wrote. What was it? Himself took our infirmities, and bear our sicknesses. Now, what does bear mean here? It means he carried. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away, beareth away the sin of the world, John 1.29. But he came not merely to take away our sins, but to take away our sicknesses. It took the divine Son of God to accomplish both. In fact, sin and sickness bear to each other the relation of cause and effect. And Jesus must take our sins and carry them in order to take them away from us. Is that correct? That's true. That's what the sanctuary shows. The only way a man in the ancient typical service could get rid of the burden of sin was to place it all on the lamb, and then the lamb must die. But our text tonight shows that this is true not only of sin but of sickness. Himself took our infirmities and bare, that is carried, our sicknesses. Did you know, friend? Did you know that Jesus had to suffer in order for you to get well? And whether your sickness is malaria or cancer, whether it be pneumonia or an ulcer, whatever your sickness, Jesus must suffer and die in order to provide healing for you. This is the message that we're studying this evening. And if that seems too much, let me tell you, the infinite love of God doesn't feel that it's too great a price to pay to get you well and to get you saved here and hereafter. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I want to read this text, a line of it that we've had here in Matthew, as given in one of the other translations. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. How do you get rid of disease? Jesus must carry it away. You can't take it from yourself any more than you can take sin from yourself. Did you ever wish you could just throw some sickness away, but you can't do it? But Jesus took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Now, let's look at the ninth chapter of Matthew, verses 35 and 36. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now notice his attitude. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted. The heart of Jesus went out in tender love, in true compassion. It cost Jesus something to heal those people. You remember the experience where the suffering woman pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. What did Jesus say? I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. He wasn't indulging in a fantasy. There was no exaggeration in what he said. He was—he had given of himself for the healing of that woman. It cost him something. It cost him something. I want to read you an inspired comment. In the book that I may know him, page 48. Christ alone was able to bear the afflictions of the many. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. That's Isaiah 63, 9. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. He never bore disease in his own flesh. You see, Jesus never broke the laws of health and life just as he never broke the moral law. He was never a sinner, spiritually or physically. But he took our sins and suffered the just for the unjust. And what I'm studying with you tonight, he took our sicknesses, he took our diseases, and he suffered for and with us. And just as he took our sins, that he might be a savior from sin, he carried our sicknesses, that he might be a physician to heal the sick. Christ alone was able to bear the afflictions of the many. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. He never bore disease in his own flesh, but he carried the sickness of others with tenderest sympathy. He looked upon the suffering ones who pressed about him. He groaned in spirit as he saw the work of Satan revealed in all their woe.
1: And he made
0: every case of need and of sorrow his own. Did you ever have a dear one suffering on a bed of pain and it just hurt you? Even though you were not sick? Yet, in a sense, you were a mother with a child, a husband or wife with a companion. Somebody you loved suffering, you suffered too. Jesus suffered that way with every suffering one that he met. And may I tell you, dear friends, it's still true. You'll find it in Desire of Ages, page 823. Christ feels the woes of every sufferer. When fever is burning up the life current, he feels the agony. All that you ever felt with the dearest one you love, all that you ever experienced going through a time of terrible suffering for and with that loved one, Christ feels in an infinitely greater way For every son and daughter of Adam, every child of him. Christ feels the woes of every sufferer. When fever is burning up the life current, he feels the agony. This is love. This is love. And love heals. Now back to what I was reading from that I may know him, forty-eight. Christ alone was able to bear the afflictions of the many. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. He never bore disease in his own flesh, but he carried the sickness of others. With tenderest sympathy, he looked upon the suffering ones who pressed about him. He groaned in spirit as he saw the work of Satan revealed in all their woe, and he made every case of need and of sorrow his own. No multiplicity of numbers distracted him. No anguish overwhelmed him with a power that never quailed. He cast out the evil spirits that possessed mind and body, while the pain of the sufferers thrilled through his whole being. While the pain of the sufferers thrilled through his whole being. You see, he felt not merely for suffering humanity, he felt with suffering humanity. The power of love was in all his healing. He identified his interests with suffering humanity. Then it speaks of his experience with Lazarus, his deep love for Lazarus. You remember that Martha and Mary both told him when he finally arrived at Bethany, Oh, Master, if you had just been here, our brother wouldn't have died. But Jesus came. At what he considered was the right time. But he went out to the grave and called forth the sleeping one. Did that cost him anything? Listen. In all this conflict with the power of evil, there was ever before Christ the darkened shadow into which he himself must enter. Ever before him was the means by which he must pay the ransom for these souls. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he knew that for that life he must pay the ransom on the cross of Calvary. He couldn't just go there to the prison house and take that prisoner. It cost him something. It cost him suffering. It cost him death. He must give his life if human beings are to have life. I say this is a concept of healing that few have ever glimpsed, few have ever thought of. Once we begin to get this concept, the whole practice of medicine, the whole work of nursing, everything dealing with sick people, takes on an entirely different light, my dear. Medical missionary work isn't just something we do to earn a living. It's rather to give life. Medical missionary work isn't just helping sick people the way we might, oh, we'll say, help a neighbor with building a house or repairing a machine. Medical missionary work is the experience of receiving the life and love of God and communicating it to those who without it will die. And may I tell you, Jesus longs for human beings who will share with him in that experience, who will, to the extent of their capabilities, according to their capacity, be willing to give of themselves that others may know healing. He is longing for burden bearers who will carry the pain and sickness of others as he carried the woes of all the human family. This is medical missionary. Anything else is something else. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he knew that for that life, he must pay the ransom on the cross of Calvary. Yes, dear friends, it costs something to heal. Years ago, I was reading about a boy who was asked to give some blood for his sister, who was seriously sick. It was in the days when sometimes they did transfusions from one person directly to another. And so the boy was lying there on the place that they had arranged, And his sister was lying there. The blood was passing from his veins over to his sister. And finally he looked up at the one that was looking after the things. And he says, when am I going to die? He had thought that this was going to cost him his life. But he was willing to do it for his sister. Ah, my friends, this is what I'm talking about. Jesus not merely gave a blood transfusion. He poured out his soul unto death. And remember, and I'm repeating it that I may emphasize, we are studying tonight that this relates not only to lifting the burden of sin, but the burden of sickness which is the fruit of sin, the result of sin. Do you see? The same little book, that I may know him, page 67. Before I read it, I wish you'd turn back to the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, 4th verse. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, other are the next three words? We are healed. Same message, isn't it? Have you thought about it? This isn't just some poetry. It is magnificent poetry. But it is the expression of a deep, infinite truth. Healing comes through the suffering, through the stripes, through the death of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to read this From that I may know him, page 67.
2: In coming to
0: the world in human form, in becoming subject to the law, in revealing to men that he bore their sickness, their sorrow, their guilt, Christ did not become a sinner. You mean he bore our sins without becoming a sinner? Yes. He was pure, and uncontaminated by any disease. Not one stain of sin was found upon him. He stood before the world, the spotless Lamb of God. When suffering humanity pressed about him, he who was in the health of perfect manhood was as one afflicted with him. Now let me say very simply that this is a great mystery. Both are mysteries. How Jesus could carry our sins and yet never be a sinner. How he could carry our sicknesses and yet never be sick. This is a mystery. But both are true, my friend. And the only hope you and I have of salvation from sin is the fact that Christ suffered everything that my sins deserve. And the only hope I have of being healed From any disease is the fact that Jesus suffered that sickness, that disease, for me. And since he himself has suffered, he is able to succor them that are tempted, those that are sick, those that have sinned. He reaches down his great arm to lift us up to health and to holiness. Praise his wonderful name. Turn now to Isaiah, the 63rd chapter, the 9th verse. We quoted a line from this earlier, but I want to notice the entire verse. It's beautiful. In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them. And he bare them and carried them all the days of old. Here's the thought again of bearing, carrying you and me with all our load of sin and sickness. You notice it says in his love and pity he did this. He redeemed us. Another word for redeemed is ransomed. He bought us back. This is the great price that he paid. This is the cost of healing. The cost of medical missionary work. Will you pay the price? Will you be a medical missionary? Will you be willing to give of yourself? Oh, somebody says I'm afraid it'll wear me out. It may. No, no, I mean it, pray. It may. But if it takes your life, that's what they did with Jesus. Oh, you say, I don't think I ought to do that. I think I ought to take care of my health. Well, I'll tell you a little secret, Frank. The fifty-eighth chapter of Isaiah shows that if you really do this with all your soul, it'll bring some streams of healing into your life that nothing else can do. If you deal your bread to the hungry, bring the poor that are cast out to your house, clothe the naked, if you give of yourself in practical Medical missionary ministry. Then the Bible says, perhaps you'd like to turn back those pages in Isaiah 58. Then God says in the eighth verse, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. But I'll tell you this, if the only reason you do it is because selfishly you want some improvement in your health, You'll get tired before you get the effect. That's right. You'll quit before you get the benefit. It's pretty hard to put on love. You can put on certain actions. But real, true, sympathetic love, you've got to get it from headquarters. You've got to come to the phone. You've got to come to Jesus. You'll find him in Gethsemane at Calvary. And there... As your own heart responds to his love for you, you will see that he's longing for you to share that same love with others. You see, dear friends, when people get this view of the thing, instead of trying to keep away from sick people, they want to get close to them so they can help them, do you see? And instead of looking for all manner of gadgets, machinery, It'll take care of the patient without the personal touch. It'll be just the opposite. God's simple methods of medical missionary work, if you look at them, they are deliberately designed by heaven to bring people who know Jesus in contact with people that need that healing touch. That's hydrotherapy. That's massage. That's nursing. Bedside nursing. In the sanitarium in the home, wherever the need is. Oh, friends, I pray that God may give us more of this love. What do you say? And the more of this love we receive, the more healing we will witness. Until finally, under the mighty baptism of the latter rain, the Holy Spirit will shed abroad the love of God in a wonderful way, in the hearts and lives and experience of his people. And thousands upon thousands of the sick of this world will be healed as they're brought in contact with that wonderful current of love. But remember, it costs something. It costs Jesus. It did when he was here. It does now. And it'll cost you something if you enter into it. Do you really want to be a medical missionary? Every one of you can We've come to a time, the Lord's message says, when every member of the church should take hold of medical missionary work. Every member can take hold of what I'm giving you tonight, can't he? Provided he doesn't shrink back from the sacrifice involved. Now I want to ask a practical question. Where does recreation come in? I'll tell you where it comes in, recreation comes in to recharge the batteries so we can come back and do more of the same. That's what it's for. Let me read to you about it. Mount of Bless... Uh, pardon me. Medical, uh, Ministry of Healing. Page 58. Ministry of Healing, 58. In a life wholly devoted to the good of others, the Savior found it necessary. What's necessary mean anyway? It's essential. It has to be. It's a must. It isn't just some extra, some elective. It's essential. What is it that's essential, necessary? In a life wholly devoted to the good of others, the Savior found it necessary to turn aside from ceaseless activity and contact with human needs to seek retirement and unbroken communion with his Father. As the throng that had followed him departed, He goes into the mountains and there alone with God pours out his soul in prayer for these suffering, sinful, needy ones. Why did Jesus go out in nature? To get recharged so that he could come back and keep giving out, giving out, giving out. If he hadn't gone, and been recharged, he would have become so depleted, having taken our humanity with its weaknesses. He would have become so depleted that he couldn't carry on. So he went out there to get recharged. Let me ask you something. If you see somebody going in one of these great big supermarkets that they have today, can you tell as they go in whether they're going in to get some food or some beer? Or some Coca-Cola? Can you tell as they walk in the door? No. Tell me another thing, then. When you see somebody going out in nature, whether on a long trip, or a short one,
2: can you tell what they're going for?
0: No, and you don't have to. That isn't your business. You have to leave them with God. But I want to tell you something, Frank. Just going to a supermarket doesn't mean that a person's going to come out with food. There are a lot of things in there that aren't food at all. Am I correct? And just running out into nature is not automatically going to give people what we're studying about tonight. No, it isn't. You know the great motive that is causing many people to go out into nature today? They want to have a good time, they say. They want to have amusement. They may even call it recreation. And they may get a certain amount of physical recuperation, provided they know how to do it without wearing themselves out at it. But, oh, my friend, what I'm studying about tonight is not a fun party. No, no. I'm studying with you tonight the great privilege of devoting our entire lives to bearing the sicknesses and needs of others and in that program, seeking recreation, for the express purpose of recharging our batteries so that we can go on and do better service and give more. Do you see? The world has it just backwards. They will work, whether they work in a factory or an office or in a hospital. They will work in order to earn money so they can go do what they want to do. And listen, whether it's making automobiles or working on a farm, whether it's as a, a domestic worker in a home, or a nurse in a hospital, if my purpose, don't miss this, if my purpose in working, even in serving, is to get some money so I can go and do something that I want to do, how much work will I do? As little as I can to get the money that I want to get so I can go and do what I want to do. Am I correct? Do you see where the labor unions come in? Do you see why they're now being so successful in unionizing even hospital employees, even those who have the care of the sick? Why, sure, I want my rights. I want to work. Well, I'll work, of course, a reasonable time, but then I want to quit, and I want to, I've got to go do what I want to do. I've got to go to the mountains and ski. Or I've got to go to the ocean. I want to feel the breezes and swim and swim. Relax. If I have other tastes and appetites, maybe what I want to do is go to the nightclubs. There's a lot of forms of amusement and entertainment. My point is, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, they still can be supremely selfish. And don't think that merely because people get in their cars and go out in nature, that that's some divinely blessed activity. It may be just as selfish as can be. The true medical missionary His real heart, goal is not pleasure for himself. It's meeting the needs of suffering humanity. And he'll get recreation, yes. What for? Not to satisfy his selfish heart, but to recharge his battery. So that he can come back renewed, revived, refreshed, with new life deeper love, fresh energy to meet the needs of the sick and suffering. Do you see? Look at it here in uh, the same book, Ministry of Healing, fifty five. All day he ministered to the throngs that came to him and at even tide or in the early morning he went away to the sanctuary of the mountains for communion with his father. Often his incessant labor and the conflict with the enmity and false teachings of the rabbis left him so utterly wearied that his mother and brothers and even his disciples feared that his life would be sacrificed. There he was, a young man, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three years old, and so pouring out his life day by day that his dear ones thought that his life would be sacrificed. But as he returned from the hours of prayer that closed the toilsome day, they marked the look of peace upon his face. The freshness and life and power that seemed to pervade his whole being. From hours spent alone with God, he came forth morning by morning to bring the light of heaven to me. When we get this viewpoint, my dear friends, it won't be necessary to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars just running around over the country in fun parties, whether they're in the city or in the country, whether in the plain or the mountain. We will seek that recreation, which will cost the least in money and accomplish the most for us physically, mentally, and spiritually. We will seek to be revived and refreshed as soon as possible, as efficiently as possible so that we can get back to the task to which we have devoted our lives. Sharing with Jesus in His burden, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Do you see what the Prophet of God must have been thinking when she said, Will there ever be anyone That will do what the medical missionary did. Oh, that we may have a true representation of the love of Jesus in selfless pouring out of the life, the energies for others. Now, I'm going to read again what I read you earlier. And then I'd like to hear from somebody that got something tonight as the Lord shall move on your heart. Christ alone was able to bear the afflictions of the many. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. He never bore disease in his own flesh, but he carried the sickness of others. With tenderest sympathy, he looked upon the suffering ones who pressed about him. With a power that never quailed, He cast out the evil spirits that possessed mind and body. While the pain of the sufferers thrilled through his whole being. The power of love was in all his healing. He identified his interests with suffering humanity. A few evenings ago, from this pulpit, we heard one of our dear physicians tell his experience of how the Lord led him over to Africa. And the vision that came to him as he came in contact with suffering humanity. And the miracle of God that touched his heart. And he who had been willing to use his talents and training just to make it possible for him to go and seek the amusements. He found something else to live for. And he's devoted his life to medical ministry. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight that as you've heard these wonderful verses, these precious principles, God has moved upon your heart. And you say, Brother Frisier, this message is for me. I see that I need a new attitude. I need a new dedication of my life. The bearing, the sorrows, the needs, the woes of others, and to look upon recreation in eating and sleeping and all the other activities of life, not as an end, but as merely a means of getting recharged so I can be back at my real job to help others. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight that feels that God has spoken to you and you want to make that dedication. Would you just stand where you are? Now, somebody that would like to witness,
3: just come right up. As he went to Isaiah 58, verse 8, it seems that I've marked my Bible more since I've been here than I've done the last five years when I got it for a Christmas present in my life. But down further in verse 11, it says, And the Lord shall guide thee continually, satisfy thy soul in drought. And that's what my soul was when I came here. And make fat thy bones. My bones were thin, my body was fat, but now my bones are fat with, this, with what I've learned. And then shall be like a watered garden and a spring of water whose waters fail not. Thank the Lord. I have a burden I like to place on everyone to help me with. I'm leaving a week from Monday, and I have very many decisions to make. I have really made the decision I want, that I feel the Lord wants me to make, but I have a partner in life who must go with me, so I ask for your prayers, but she will say yes to the Lord, but not, nothing in me but say yes to the Lord. Thank you. God bless you, my brother.
0: Brother Hirsch won't mind if I tell you that he's lost 101 pounds in the reconditioning program here. He can walk with a lighter step. And I know he's going to be a blessing to many who are in similar needs. This is a part of medical missionary work, isn't it, friends? And If there's any people that need understanding love, it's overweight people.
4: I have mentioned it once other time here, I think that in Sierra Leone, where my wife and I were four and a half years, that if a person hurts their finger or cuts their leg, or one thing or another, another African person might say, Asha, which doesn't mean just to say I'm sorry, it means to say that I wish that I had the sickness and I had the hurt fingers and, and not you. And I
0: hope that I have this desire in my heart. Thank the Lord. Isn't it a wonderful thing to understand, as we've studied tonight, that true sympathy has healing power. True sympathy has healing power.
1: It's it's been almost two years that I've been around Wildwood, in connection with Wildwood, and it wasn't until tonight that I really saw why the Lord would have me in a place where it seemed there was no other work but the sanitarium or something connected with it. Because for these two years, I've, I've sort of rebelled, as Pete said, against the medical work against um, being involved with sick people. It just has never really been my field. And yet the Lord kept on giving me opportunities of being in the hospital, even if it's, you know, just going through the motions of a janitor or, or being up there to have song service or one of the worship services, the Lord kept me in contact with sick people. And I kept on saying, Lord, I just can't do it. (laughs) It's just not working out. You know, and I, every now and then I'd ask to be on maintenance or I'd ask to be out on the farm or just any place else. And finally, one night about January of this year, I just had almost like a complete breakdown. I was walking around campus and I said, Lord, I can't stay here. If you want me to stay here, you'll have to break my leg. And so I kept on walking, and I expected somehow a hole to open up in the ground or somebody to come up and run me over with a car or something. But, uh, you know, the Lord doesn't have to make us sick to make us understand this message tonight. And I'm really thankful that he's touched my heart tonight to see that he is only interested in me as an instrument of him, that he may love someone else through me. And those that are in greatest need of love are certainly those that are sick. And I just hope that the Lord will make me a medical missionary worker here at this hospital. He will. I well, Steve, your sermon tonight
2: took me back 28 years. I had an experience where the Lord put me to bed. I took my first flying lesson. We landed in a crash. And uh, I landed up in a hospital... And the physician told my mother and father that nothing could save me except a miracle. Medical signs were at the end. and you know that, folks, that I'm standing here was a miracle of the Lord. Yeah. And today I can fully understand. Because when I lay, lay in that bed, I remember that day very well. It was a Sabbath morning. I knew that the church was praying for me, and I knew, and I pleaded with the Lord, Lord, if you have a mission for me, then save my life. I I dedicate my life, but you know, I really didn't deeply understood why he saved me, why he he healed me, and it was a miracle, of healing. But you know, through the years, you grew up, and you start doing what, what you see outside, what he's done. You follow your friends. Well, i like to praise the Lord. He, he gave me enough light, and I came back, and I straightened out. But then when I was back in the church, you know, there's lots of things you, you start doing. You, know, you don't know the health message, so you abuse your body, one way or the other. You start working for that mighty dollar, day and night. And it wasn't until tonight that I understood the great sacrifice what it took Jesus to save me. And I'd like to rededicate my life tonight.
0: Thank you. Jesus is glad. Doctor.
4: I'm so thankful tonight to work with a whole team of workers whose motive in the healing of the sick is that of love. Thank God. It's a humbling thing to think that sometimes the the true healing that God ministers to the patient may come through the channel of the nurse that stands at the bedside and loves. And sometimes if our spirit isn't right and we're just there with the wrong spirit, irritated because it's the wrong hour or an interruption, that if the Lord's working a miracle of healing in somebody's soul, it's in spite of you rather than because of you. And I'm praying tonight that God will help me to have that true love for the sick, but not only that, but love for my fellow workers, so that true healing, the great miracle of love in homes, husbands and wives, workers, students, and all of us may demonstrate before the universe that God is love.
5: Thank you. We are very happy to to be able to visit here. Uh, I've been waiting for a long time to see this kind of, of institution. Uh, the reason I came to the United States is to to, to be trained in this uh, gospel medical combined ministry. And uh, uh, th- before I entered to Loma Linda School of Health, I spent one month with Elder Tyndall, who knows very well Elder the- Presley. And, uh, I don't, I don't know, uh, whether he remember me or not. I wrote a few times, uh, to him and he wrote to me, he wrote me back to me and he sent some materials. And, but this time, uh, uh somebody paid for my, you know, the airplane fee, uh, flight fee and, uh, we could visit here. I, I, we were so happy to see and very much impressed to, this, uh, to see this kind of institution. We went to uh, see uh, UC Pine, and then came here, and this afternoon we went to, to see Song Cave. And uh, uh, after finishing my school of health, I, I've been working as a minister in Los Angeles area, and, uh, but my heart was in this uh, field of uh, gospel, medical combined ministry unless we do that uh, the great walls of jericho in japan uh you know uh, shintoism and buddhism can never be broken soon if we uh, if we will not be engaged in this kind of work so uh and uh fortunately uh, uh, i see some uh, japanese have interest in this kind of uh, work already and uh, I'd like to introduce uh, Mrs. Higa, which is Mrs. Higa. She's a RN, and her husband is an MD. He just went back to Okinawa. He he had uh, already ticket and you know to come here, but uh, unfortunately he he had a call from Okinawa, come quickly, and uh, he couldn't come here. But uh, he has very much interest in this kind of uh, self-supporting. Sanitarium uh, work. So uh, I'm I'm very happy to to see to see Elder Fredy, to listen to his wonderful message tonight. I've been listening to his tapes and reading uh, his material, and uh, I'm refreshed again tonight. Listen to his message. Uh, inspired to lead me again to go forward to this kind of uh, uh, self-sacrificial uh, work which you've been doing. Um, so tonight, I'd like to choose to take my cross and follow Jesus. Would you pray for us and our work in Los Angeles area for Japanese community and in Okinawa and Japan?
6: And now, our Heavenly Father, our hearts have been stirred tonight as we have caught a glimpse of the great medical missionary. We know that he is alive today. Though he is in the courts above, he has lost none of those sympathetic, compassionate feelings that he has for each one of us. But we thank thee, Lord, that thou hast chosen us and ordained us to go and be thy witnesses of these wonderful things.
0: There
6: go. Put thy Spirit upon us, O Lord. Wash away our sins in thy blood and inspire us to go to the ends of the wor- world with a message of love of our Heavenly Father. Dismiss us now with thy blessing and in a special way we pray for these who have visited us. Our dear Japanese brethren and sisters, Amen. those in Okinawa, and if it is thy will that a self-supporting work be revived in Japan, open the way, Father, that the light may shine abroad. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.